What's up, everybody, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. I hope you're all well. I'm great. Thank you for asking. Today's episode is a is a big monumental leap in the podcast history. Today we have our first podcast sponsor. Ding 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 ding. I was hoping to have some kind of jingle ready. I just typed in party horn and uh this is what come up. <laughs> Absolutely awful. Um, so today, today's episode sponsored um, by Heavy Duty Gymwear. I want to shout out Heavy Duty Gymwear. You can go to heavyduty-gymwear.com um, or you can check them out on Instagram at heavydutygymwear. Uh, I've actually worn a few of their stuff. They sent me out a few t-shirts probably like two or three months ago actually. Um, and they've, they've offered to send me over a, a few other things as well. Um, I honestly love it. It's old school. It's just heavy duty gym wear. You know, you got lovely little long sleeves, crew necks that I, that I wore. Uh, I recommend the black on grey. I love the grey. Um, the green's also super nice as well. Um, but there's loads of different different things. They've got t-shirts, they've got sweatshirts, and I re- highly recommend you guys to check them out as they, um, as they look to expand their products and as they look to grow as a brand. So heavy duty gym wear uh, are our first podcast sponsors and they're going to be sponsoring us all month. Um, which is absolutely epic. So, Heavy Duty Gymwear on Instagram and heavyduty-gymwear.com. Make sure to check them out. Make sure to go buy something and uh, support your boy. Thank you very much. So, we'll get into today's episode. So, I put out a little bit of a QA and a on um, Instagram. I wanted to just do a full Q&A type podcast for you guys because we love them. Lots of different content and lots of different questions. But first... If you guys can guess what that is, I'm going to give you three seconds. Three, two, one. Coffee. We're on the coffee hype. Um, in fact, you know what? We'll do. Um, we'll do. A, we'll do. We'll do an update. We'll do an update on me. So I'm four and a half weeks post show now. Um, I'm about ten kilos. No, I'm more than that. I'm more than that. Stop chalking shit. Uh, I'm about twelve kilos up in four and a half weeks, but I've still got veins in my abs and my legs and stuff, which is pretty cool to see and pretty cool to feel. Um, I'm fully over the crazy hunger. I'm still really, really hungry, which is good because you want to be hungry in off season. But I'm not to the point where I can't stop eating. So for those of you guys who have been following the journey of the 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 Josh can't stop eating saga, Josh can stop eating now, but just chooses not to. <laughs> um, and by that, I just mean I'm, I'm kind of sticking more towards my calories. And um, I've moved a little bit away from just destroying everything in my path. Um, and I've just chosen things a little bit more conservative, which is, which is a big step forward because it was just fucking crazy. It was just nonstop. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't really want to address it. Um, for myself, like I didn't want to like look at what I'd done, but I kind of did a little bit of tallying over about two weeks, and I honestly probably had about six to seven thousand calories every single day, every single day for about two weeks, and then I probably went to about five to six, and now I've probably I'm probably between four and five. Uh, my actual calories are set at four thousand. Um, I pretty much try and fast. I'm still not doing it the best way because I'm trying to fast as late as possible. Not as late as possible, but it's about midday, which is pretty easy for me because I have a big meal before bed. So I go wake up, 
I wake up slowly. I go train for a couple hours. I come back by midday, and then I've kind of got that like eight hours of eating to get four thousand calories in or so. So it's been okay, but I can't wait to get into a proper routine where I could just have, wake up, have breakfast, go train, have a post-workout meal, have another meal, have another meal and be done rather than like wake up, go train, try and hold on, try and hold on, have a humongous meal and then about two hours later, another one, and about two hours later, another one. Um, but actually, for those of you guys who don't know, I've got surgery a week today, which is not good. Uh, I've actually developed an umbilical hernia you guys probably can't really see it from the updates. And, and to be honest, I couldn't really see it myself. The only time I noticed it, in fact, the only, the, only, the only reason why I went to go check was because I came home to go see my mum. And we went out for a really, really big uh, meal. And I had loads of food, obviously. And when we came back, like, I was really hot. And I took my shirt off. Um, and my mum just said, is your belly button normally like that? And I looked down and my belly button was just kind of sticking out a little bit. Um, only on one side and only, and only a little tiny bit and I'm like oh what's that and I started poking it and I went oh that hurts a little bit actually and I thought fuck have I got a hernia because I have had pain exactly where the lump was before and I kind of just ignored it and I kind of probably ignorantly ignored it um well, that's what ignorance is isn't it <laughs> um and I just immediately went into a private consultant like two days later as soon as I got home I was away for that weekend Friday Saturday Sunday I literally booked in for the Monday and he's poking around, he's poking around, and I'm like, fuck, it doesn't hurt. I definitely don't have a hernia. Yes. And then he just goes on one spot. Can you cough? I go, yeah. And he goes, yep, that's a hernia. Fuck. Uh, so, like, just, 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 it didn't, like, you don't necessarily need to get them done. They can stay the same. But the nature of my job, uh, being a professional bodybuilder, yes, <laughs> uh, like, bearing heavy weight, trying to progress my physique as much as possible, like, I'm going to just open that that belly button up a little bit more so I had to go get in um especially considering as though I'm on TRT at the moment and I'm sort of chilling like I've had my decent rebound now like the, the first four to I think I still got a week so it's going to be five weeks of, of really really good training um finding equilibrium like getting the hunger out of the way because if I would like had surgery the day after my prep or something and then come home okay granted the day you have surgery probably not going to eat much the day after probably not going to eat much but then the hunger would have set in and I would have just not been able to move, not been able to train, and I wouldn't have been able to stop eating. I think the one thing that has saved me from putting on 20 kilos is just that I can train like a fucking beast now and I can train really, really hard for really, really long periods of time. Um, and I can walk and I can do my steps, I can do cardio if I need to, but all of that would have been taken away if I'd had a post-show. So it's sort of a perfect time now. Uh, I've got one more week to kind of kick the hunger and then... It's recovery, unfortunately, it's going to be, it's probably going to be, I've had my appendix out before, and I think the append my appendix was keyhole, this is going to be laparoscopic, I think laparoscopic is a slightly uh, shorter recovery time. In keyhole, I had three different holes in, and obviously they had to cut out an organ, so I'm hoping, because of the location of the, it's it's not it's not a big hernia whatsoever. It's a really really small small hole. I'm hoping they can just open up my skin, push the mesh through, and it's not going to be crazy difficult. But based off that, it took me about four weeks um, to get back to, to 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 training, which I would say would retain muscle, if that makes sense. So I spent a week doing nothing. On day eight or day nine, I was in the gym and I was doing like bicep curls, but seated. 
Um, I'm gonna have to be a little bit more careful because the appendix wasn't a hernia, so there was no like holes in my abdomen. So <laughs> obviously this time I'll be a little bit more careful with what I, what I load. Um, but I was doing like bicep curls, everything seated, everything machine, keeping off the stomach about eight or nine days after, but nothing like heavy enough to really strain. And then two weeks was a little bit more, three weeks was a little bit more, and then four weeks I was training hard enough to say that that would keep the muscle, probably not progress it. And then like every week after that, I got better and better. So I've probably got a minimum of like four weeks here where I'm going to be probably losing muscle, which is it's not nice to think about. It's really not, especially as I just turned pro. I wanted to hit the ground running. Um and make the most of it and obviously it takes like it takes like four to six weeks out of my off season which I didn't really want to have either uh, I mean granted I, I can't use drugs I can't um, I can't put I can't go on a blast at least for another four weeks because it's been four weeks so usually I'd wait four weeks get my bloods done like this week and then wait another four weeks and get them done and I'll do them every four weeks until I'm in a place where I'm happy with it um, I'm not even going to do the bloods because I'm going into surgery and I can't do anything, right? So for the next week or so, I'm just chilling, really. I'm just trying to... To be honest, I'm not even fucking worried about anything. I'm just trying to train hard um, without hurting my stomach anymore. Uh, eat some good food because I'm, you know, when when the surgery's done, I'm not going to eat too much. Probably just because I won't feel like it. Um, and then I can, like, wipe the slate clean when I'm feeling better from the surgery and I can just off-season engage. And then I can blast as well. So I'm hoping... It'll be five weeks uh, post-show, the day of my surgery, and then I will probably wait a week. Wait, I'll probably wait. Th I'll probably wait until eight weeks. To be fair, I'll probably wait three weeks, and then I'll do my blood work, and I'll spend that three weeks. Obviously, I won't be training, so I'm hoping my kidney markers will come back in place. All those types of markers that get affected by training, I'm hoping that like inflammation, all that stuff, should be really, really good because I'm actually going to have some. Like whenever I take my bloods, I never have time off because I don't do that shit. I, I'm trying to be a professional, so um, it's going to be good to have a set of blood results without any stress on the body from training. So in about three, well, yeah, four weeks' time now, I'll get my first set of blood blood results done, and we'll, we'll go off that. Because there's nothing I can do, do you know what I mean? Like, if I go get them done now, and they're great, I can't go on blast. If I get them done now, and they're awful, I'm going to be doing the same things that I'm going to be doing anyway. So it doesn't make much of a difference, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much the update. I've got to go for that surgery on the 14th. Today's obviously the 7th. Uh, it's a bit of a ball ache. I'm going privately, so I'm hoping... I mean, it's expensive, but I'm hoping that... Um, I'm hoping that it's going to be a really good guy. I'm in first thing in the morning, so the guy's going to be very mentally cognizant. You know, I made that clear. I was like, dude, this is my fucking career. This isn't like... I'm not just, like, some dude with money who's, like, coming to get this done quicker. I'm here privately to get this done properly because this is my career. I need everything back to the aesthetics. I need the control of my stomach. I need to be able to do a vacuum. I was, like, showing him a vacuum and what I do. Told him how much I lift. Told him, like, my entire lifestyle. And he's like, right, okay, cool. I need to do this, this, and this. And he was very, very, uh, very, very adhering to why. Or very, very, um, what's the word? He basically... Yeah, he just said, yeah, all right, no worries, mate, we'll sort you out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm going to get that done. And um, it's a bit shit, to be honest. It's a bit shit because you go from the peak of your physique and winning your pro card to 
potentially like the worst you like you that you're gonna look and feel like five weeks later. Because I know that for my appendix, like I just, I just, you just go flat, you lose muscle, you got, you can't even control your abdomen at any point. So it's going to be a bit of a ball ache, and it's going to be a head fuck. Uh, and I do put a lot of pressure on myself in these moments to kind of like when someone takes away my thing that I like to progress every single day. Like it's going to be very, very difficult mentally for me. Um, appreciate it's not going to war. Appreciate it's not. It's not famine, it's not severe hunger, it's not a world problem, but it is a big problem for me, and I think that it's important to know that problems are relative, right? Just because you feel awful and you want to cry and shout because you're going in for a hernia surgery, it's not an issue because it's my entire livelihood, right? It's my entire livelihood is based around going to the gym. My job, I'm not going to be able to film for four weeks, I'm not going to be able to get content around bodybuilding for four weeks, posting pictures on... Instagram are going to be much harder. Okay, I get it, but it's all relative, right? Let me, let me, let me have a little bit of anger and let me, let me go to my dark place, quote unquote. And I don't need some little gimp telling me that you're not going to war, mate. It's not going to be hard. It's like you know, it's still fucking hard, mate. All right, there's people doing harder things. There's going to be people doing worse things, but for me, it's hard. I think that's fine. So. Yeah, um, that's pretty much the update. Um, pretty shit, but is what it is. We're gonna roll with the punches, and like this is the definition of the one more rep lifestyle, right? I was gutted when I had my appendix out, um, but we got back up. We came back stronger, and uh, we're gonna do the exact same here. So, without further ado, let's get into some questions. So, I'm gonna run through these questions. I'm gonna answer the stupid questions. I'm gonna answer the not so stupid questions, so you guys can understand the questions I get. <laughs> Uh, can you become pro if you are a vegetarian? Uh, I have no doubt there are pros that are vegetarian. I have no doubt that there are pros who were vegetarian before they turned pro. I'm sure there were some who weren't and then turned pro. I know in that in that documentary, The Game Changers, they used the strong man as an example um, and said, this is one of the strongest men in the world and he's vegan. And they didn't highlight the fact that he turned vegan like six months before the fucking documentary and built all the muscle and all the strength not vegan. Not that, has, not that I think that it has a huge impact, but I definitely think there is an impact. So, can you? Yes. Never say you cannot. Because if you cannot, you must. Um, will it be harder? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Because convenience of protein, convenience of food, when you're not uh, adhering to a dietary requirement like veganism or vegetarian, tends to just be harder in life, right? You go into the supermarket, you know you can get anything that you need if you are not vegan or vegetarian. You know that if you're vegan or vegetarian, you're going to be looking a lot longer, you're going to be looking at the back of packets a lot longer, and your choice is a lot harder. So can you? Yes, of course. Is it going to be harder? Yes, it is. Uh, is Primo worth it at 200 milligrams per week? Um, online says 600. So always be careful of what online says. Um, but in this aspect... Uh, Primo is a relatively weak drug. Primo is um, is still it's a really it's a fucking great drug. I don't need to glorify it, but it's great in a des in a stack design because it can modulate your androgen to estrogen ratio, so you can push testosterone higher. Uh, it, 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 it manages uh, protein accretion really really well. Um, but yes, you probably want to be using a little bit more. Um, I've I've had people as low as as low as three hundred, and they've had some really good results. 
Um, I've been to seven hundred myself. I think I didn't. I, I didn't get to seven hundred in this last prep. Actually, I got to seven hundred in two thousand nineteen. Um, but what's difficult is I don't know whether the six hundred was doing the work or you know the other anabolics that I was using. But in my cycle, it worked quite well. I wouldn't say that 600 is is the place to go for your first time trying Primo. I would definitely say just start at like 300, maybe go to four. If you wanted to, you could push half a gram. Um, but you want to save those like upper ed, upper echelons of doses for later cycles, if that makes sense. So I've obviously been using steroids for two and a half years. Oh my God, two and a half years. Um... I, I, like I, I wouldn't have seen the point of just slamming six, seven hundred milligrams straight away. I know people can use a gram. Like the, most of the research in Primo is actually ran up to one point two grams. So you know, I, I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't have an issue running up to a gram of Primo, but you would have to notice the side effects and the issues that come along with that. Um, but I've only ever been up to seven hundred, and in this prep, I went up to six hundred. Um, but you'd be fine, like if you've never used it before, three hundred, four hundred. 500 even you'd be you'd be absolutely fine um obviously you've got to assess, uh, assess your own results and your own side effects but generally speaking 200 is probably a little bit low um th- i mean 300 is still low but, but like start low in it like start low see what happens at 300 and then go to 400 if you need to uh, when did you first start seeing huge changes after going on performance enhancing drugs um if I'm honest, I've never seen the huge changes that people see. Like, I mean, people look at the photos now and they're like, wow, you've completely blown up over the last year or whatever. But really, it's just been like, uh, it's just been faster progress. And I've just been doing it like consistently. Like, I don't think there was like one big whoosh of muscle. I don't think that I just like look back one day and I was like, shit, I just gained 10 kilos of muscle in four weeks because I used this drug. Like, I don't think any of that happened. I've just been relentless for two, like, for th- it's nearly, it's th- it'd be three years in November. I've just been relentless for that time. I, I haven't really noticed a whoosh, like a huge whoosh. It's just been consistently upwards. Um, and I think that I've crept over the point where people start to recognize the size, if that makes sense. Like, I think people talk about this more now, and they are like people are like, I can't believe the changes you've made. I can't believe this that you've made. I think it's because I'm now over the threshold in people's eyes where they go, fuck me, you're big. Like, I really, really think that's 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 literally it. Like, I'm imagining, imagine this, right? Imagine a line graph. You guys can imagine. You've got the y-axis, the x-axis. And you just draw a line... Um, from the middle of the, from zero, zero, all the way up to 100, 100, and it's a diagonal line straight up. And then you just draw uh, a horizontal line halfway through it, right? Like, imagine the horizontal line is where people look, is like people's eyesight. It's people's, they, they look at you and they assess what you look like. I think for me, I've just like crossed over that line and now people look at me and they're like, wow, you're really, really big or wow, you look like a pro, or wow, like, I think I've just crossed that line for people to now recognize how big I am, and I think that maybe four or five months ago, I was under that line, and so less people said that, so for me, like, there's never been a huge whoosh, I've just continually chipped away, and now I'm above that line, and now everyone's like, 
where did all this come from, bro? You've, you've come up overnight. It's like, motherfucker, I've been doing this for 10 years, boy. I've been on steroids for nearly three years. And I've just been chipping away. Um, and now I think I'm at that visual point where people are like, taking, they're just taking more notice of it. I genuinely believe that's what's happened. When are you starting online coaching again? Um, bruh, I never stopped. Um, if you followed me properly, you'd know that. <laughs> I get these questions all the time. Bro, I followed you for so long. Do you do coaching? Like, it's literally my main job is <laughs> to coach people. Um, so if you are um, interested, just drop me a, a message at joshbridgmanfitness at gmail.com. Um, Bridgman is spelt without the E for all the OGs you know that shit. Um, I'm just going to take another sip of my coffee. I'm actually going to finish this coffee. Oh, it's a little bit cold now. Um, when you next in Muscle Works Orpington? Friday. <laughs> About 10, 10 o'clock. Uh, best resources to, to learn about performance enhancing drugs. Um, I would look at Victor Black. I would look at Joe Jeffrey, the Physique Collective. I would look at Derek More Plates, More Dates. Um, and I would say those are the three at the forefront of performance enhancing drugs knowledge in, in the country, for sure. And also the muscle mentors, but they don't talk about it publicly, them as coaches. Um, do I think I'll stick with men's physique or make the move to classic eventually? Do you know what? I had this little thought in my head last night. And I thought, what if I won the men's physique Olympia? Then just like had an off season to just grow my legs and keep my upper body. And then win the classic physique Olympia. Be the first person to win men's physique and classic. I appreciate that's extremely hard. I, I like here's the thing and, and don't take this like Josh just said he's going to win both of those I think I have the potential to be very very good at both men's physique and classic and I don't think that many people do um I think that some people really present themselves to a men's physique look but perhaps haven't got that f complete classic look and vice versa of classic don't get me wrong, there are definitely people who can do both. There are people who have done both. Logan Franklin, for example. Not that he won either, but he did very well in men's physique. I'm sure he's going to do very well in classic as well. Um, but for right now, the goal is men's physique. I really just want to see how I stack up against the pros. I mean, for me, like I want an amateur Olympia um, overall. I want ev I beat everyone. So that tells me that I probably have got a decent frame for men's physique right because i won that and i won the overall and the guy who fucking was the head judge he's like head judge the new york pro before right yeah. mr mazali um i can't remember his first name but yeah like it's it's definitely the the main goal at the moment what's difficult what's difficult about that is in men's physique like i really actually have to just focus on my upper body and i do have to let my legs kind of not fade away but not progress as much as the other as the other parts and my legs grow off one, one time a week, which is fine. Um, so they are going to continue to grow, but they're not going to grow enough for them to be anywhere near competitive and classic. So when it does, or if it ever does come to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do classic now. I'm going to have to spend a long time building my legs up to be as, to be on that level that it is for the classic guys. They're also big boys. I'm also nine kilos under my weight limit. I can be 105 on stage. So I was 96 and a half-ish. I probably could have got a bit more body fat off as well, if I'm honest. Like my glutes weren't weren't 
NN, but I didn't need them to be NN. Um, I probably could have taken off a tiny bit more fat, um, maybe a kilo, not much. So I'd say not, I, I've got nine to 10 kilos and that's without depleting to get into the weight. So I could be like maybe 106-ish and then deplete and pull, pull water to weigh in. And then, uh, so I've got a lot of size that I can put on before I'd be even competitive in that classic, and in, in that classic class. And now, I I can't compete in classic amateurs, right? I can't go backwards and complete compete. Like, I don't get me wrong. I think I could do all right in classic amateurs, but I can't do that. I got to go against the pros. So if I compete, I could tech like, and obviously Seabum's already qualified for the Olympia, but I could technically be against Seabum. Do you know what I mean? So it's like. It's not on that level yet, so I've got to give myself a little bit more time. Um, the Big Kent, congratulations this weekend, brother. One of my clients. Um, looks fucking unreal. Um, have you felt more sure of yourself as a bodybuilder now that you're a pro or still the same? Um, I think that this season has made me feel much more sure of myself and much more sure of my career. And I mean that in terms of like filming, I mean that in terms of uh, my knowledge and the biggest thing for me is given, it's given me the confidence to believe in what I, what I thought I knew and, and what I did know now. And like, I believe that I could be a top tier men's physique athlete. And I don't believe that someone who won't be a top tier athlete could win a men like a amateur Olympia. Like I think there are many, many pros who probably don't have the potential to be very, very high tiered. I think there's lots of pros who I look better than naturally. I think there's many pros that probably shouldn't be pros. But I don't think that any of those pros who shouldn't have been pros could get a pro card at the overall at amateur Olympia, if that makes sense. And I think that really filled me with the confidence to believe in what I believed anyway. It kind of gave me the the validation from 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 other people, from from top tier judges. Like I believed it in myself. I just now I know it. Do you know what I mean? Like I believed, now I know. So that's the one thing that this season's given me. Um, also, like this is a little bit not necessary to do with like the bodybuilding side, but like knowing that. But where I stand in terms of a content creator is is a real job now. Like I have zero fear filming in public anymore. It's it's incredible. This year it just transformed me. Walking around with Andy in shops, walking around with Andy in airports, filming myself in the in public spaces. I have zero qualms of doing that because if someone thinks I'm an idiot for doing that, like I just got. A shot. You know what I mean? Like, why are you telling me I'm an idiot for my job? This is my job. This my job is to make content. My job is to make a career out of this like I get paid for this stuff so that's one thing that's been really liberating is I don't really care about filming in public anymore because if someone comes up to me and they're like what are you doing filming in public who do you think you are I'm Josh Bridgman mate I've got 47,000 subscribers mate <laughs> not that that's anything but um, it works well um, opinion on the younger generations of gym goers using anabolics just to look good I think if you are okay with that decision and it's not harming anyone else, and you've done your due diligence as to what the side effects can be, you do you, boo. Uh, but just know that you killing yourself faster and potentially impacting things like sex drive, mood, emotions, 
may have an impact detrimentally to someone else. So for me, if you're slamming trend, you can't sleep, you're on a diet, and you are a snappy cunt, and you snap at your girlfriend and call her a bitch, and you do whatever, that is a negative impact on her, right? If you're not doing that, I mean, if you're doing that just to look good on a beach, I would question your motives. Um, however, it's your life, I'm not your dad, so you can do whatever you want, but just know that steroids are not weed, steroids are not recreational drugs, steroids are not things that you can take one night and be fine the next night, you can't, you can snort a bag of coke and wake up alright the next day, you know, unless you do too much, you can do a bit of ket, you can do MDMA, you can do all these other recreational drugs and they're done within 12 to 24 hours, steroids it doesn't work like that, steroids potentially is for life, someone came with my DMs the other day and said I think that steroids should be legal, I don't think that steroids should be legal because they have a huge impact potentially later on in life. I think the education of these things could be better. You know what? We're not going into the drugs conversation because actually sometimes the, the cause for legality of all drugs makes a lot of sense. But um, you got to you got to know that it's going to be a long term impact. Um, why is this person asking that question? Where can I get drugs? Shut your mouth, man. Um, what supplementation do you use whilst on gear type with the side effects? So, side effects of gear directly, um, like the actual physical side effects, uh, that becomes a matter of stack design. Don't take too much of X, Y, Z, and balance things properly. So, we don't really want to go too much into that. But other side effects like blood pressure, I mean, all these things like a strag flow, support max, heart stack, kidney stack, they're all things that I use on a daily on my Instagram. So, Go, go to my Instagram and check them out. Um, what vitamins and supplements should you consume away from your workout window? You should take anything that causes or has an anti-inflammatory property um, away from your workout window. Why? Because that inflammation caused by the workout is positive inflammation needed for the, the feedback loop of hypertrophy. So you create microtrauma, it causes inflammation, your body responds to the inflammation. Inflammation is like a signal. Body, reflame, uh, body uh, reacts to the inflammation, sends whatever it needs, nutrients, blood to that area, recovers it, and then you can worry about it. So I would say anything like vitamin C, curcumin, uh, even a multivitamin that's got a vitamin C, and anything that has anti-inflammatory properties, CBD, I would try and take at least three or four hours away from your workout. So for me, I usually do before bed and when I wake up because it's about four hours either side. Um... Have you had to adjust your training much with the hernia? Uh, no, like, you know what? Like, I was training normally like I had no hernia before I went to the appointment to get a hernia, and I felt fine. And then since since I've been to the appointment and he said I've got a hernia, I've been a little bit like, oh, I can feel it there. Um, so, yes, I've stopped doing deadlifts. I've stopped doing hack squats. Um, I've stopped doing anything that generates huge abdominal pressure because I don't want to make it bigger. I just want it to be the same, and then I want to get it fixed. Should you weigh your meat before and after? Um, I generally do it before, but if you do it consistently, one or the other, it's not going to make a big difference. How would you approach a mini cut four weeks in a bulking phase? It's enhanced. Um, I wouldn't set myself four weeks, for example. I would set myself more of a look, um, more of a more of a goal look and a goal feeling. Um, but it, I'm assuming you wanted to do a short, in, in a short, intense cut. So I would say four to six weeks, 
and you want to try and lose a kilo plus a week, like if not more. I don't really like the shortcuts, to be honest. I think sometimes it takes a couple of weeks to get the body going. Um, so I like to say, for me, a, a mini cut, I just call it a shorter cut or a, not a competition prep cut. I like to see like six to 10 weeks, depending on how quickly or not quickly you react. Some people, you can just stop in six weeks because they've lost 10 kilos. All right, cool. But if you've like struggled to lose those first couple of weeks, you struggle to establish a deficit, you can extend that a little bit. Do you do pull-ups and pull day? I do not. Um, best variation of a squat, pendulum hack, reverse hack. Um, anything that keeps you in a stable environment and you can get the maximum range of motion at the ankle and knee. you got to think about a quad. A quad is about, if you bring your heel to your bum, that is the longest, the most stretched out you can get that quad. And then if you bring your bring that up, um, that's the most contracted it can be. So you want to pick something that you can go through that full range of motion the easiest. What is the best rate of gaining weight for a, for women in order to build muscle with minimal fat? Um, so generally speaking, women are going to build muscle slower than, than men. For most men, I like to say 1% of your total body weight. Um, for women, I'll generally say something quite similar because it ends up being relative. Like most men are, you know, 50 to 100 pounds heavier than women. So the relativeness of that stays. So if you're a 200 pound man, I say gain a percent per, per month. That's two pound a month. If you're a woman, you're probably, you know, 150 pounds or less. You know, that's going to be, you know, 1.5 pound per month. So it's going to be like half a pound a week, you know, maybe a little bit less. Um, but generally speaking, the 1% of your total body weight per month works quite well. And really, you just, you assess at the end of the month and you go, have I put on too much fat for my liking? All right, let me reduce that. Am I, am I okay with this? Am I feeling good? All right, let's increase it a bit. Um, did you ever have any digestive issues or food intolerances throughout the year? Um, other than like the standard, have a Domino's and feel a bit dodgy in the morning. No, nah, I've been largely fine. Primo versus Eco EQ for off-season growth. EQ is dog shit. EQ is just a recipe for high blood pressure. And it aromatizes. Like if you're going to mix it with testis, you've just got two aromatizing compounds. I would never, ever prescribe EQ. Uh, what is the most neglected aspect of first-time preps? Um, presentation on the stage and getting lean enough. Uh, no, what was the what was the most neglected aspect? Yeah, f posing on stage and then like neglected. Mm, it's hard. Neglected means like things that you miss. Maybe you just miss how hard it's going to be. Uh, I think a lot of people think oh, I could try this bodybuilding competition. And then you get a coach who's going to get you shredded. And you get to like, you know, if you get really lean in like eight weeks out or whatever, you, you realize you've got fucking two months left and you're really, really lean. For example, the person talking about this is, is really, really lean at seven weeks out. And you kind of think, wow, I didn't think it was going to be that hard. Have I really got to keep going for like seven more weeks? Um, so maybe just underestimating how hard it's going to be. Um... How do you recommend consistency in content creation despite the bodybuilding lifestyle impacts? Um, I, like, I don't know if I've got a warped sense of this because I'm obviously, I work at home. Um, but I think that content gets easier with bodybuilding lifestyle because you, you live it every single day. 
and there's not really an excuse to film. I mean, granted, dude, like, I'm pretty sure you've got a full-time job, right? If you've got a full-time job and you bodybuild and you've got to get your steps, you've got to get this, you've got to get... Like, it's very fucking difficult and I probably wouldn't be able to do it. But I work from home. So for me, it's obviously, like, and like, obviously my job is to create content. So it's pretty easy for me to do. Um, and I've managed to facilitate my life that way. So it's, it's difficult, like... It's, I can't really give you direct advice. I've not really been in that scenario. All I can say is, is there there is always a way. Um, maybe you outsource who edits. Maybe you film two or three videos in a day when you've got time. Maybe you film on the weekends. But I can appreciate it. it's very very difficult. Uh, your view on Greg Doucette's main gaining approach to build muscle? I think it's absolutely fine for anyone who doesn't want to be um, an IFBB pro or the best that they can be. I think that if you want to be the best that you can be, you need to be above main gaining. Yeah, you're going to get results. Yeah, you're going to stay lean. Uh, and it's probably pretty good for most lifestyle people who don't want to go through the extremes of bodybuilding. But for me, it's going to be slow progress. And it's not the progress that I want to be making as a, as a bodybuilder. Um, what app do you use for trading? I use eToro mostly. Um it's actually you don't technically own the stocks. I don't think I can't. I can't hundred percent remember how eToro works, but it's been absolutely fine for me. But that's where I put most of my money these days. Um, yeah. Since it's illegal, how can we know more about performance enhancing drugs and reliable company sellers? Um, so sellers, on honestly, it's just all word of mouth. Who's got the best gear? Who's got their gear tested? What are the big boys using? That's honestly really it. It's pretty, it's pretty grim to be honest. It's the reality of it. Um, learning more about it. I said that a little bit earlier in the podcast. Favorite gym clothing brands? Um, probably Lululemon, um, along with one or more, um, but probably Lululemon, Nike, um, like I, I, probably Alphalete and Gymshark as well. They're probably the only other twos that I use, and the odd VQ thing. Should you pre-exhaust with every muscle, uh, every muscle group, every training? Um, it sort of depends. Like pre-exhaust, pre-exhaust implies that you're exhausting a muscle, that like you're getting that muscle really, really tired, and that's not necessarily the goal of what I'm doing. Like I'm picking, I'm picking exercises that are hard in contracted positions. Because you don't get that contraction later on in in the workout. Just as an example, a leg extension, right? When you're doing a leg extension and you fully extend at the knee, name one other exercise that you extend at the knee. N name an exercise where you can be straight at the knee and bear weight through your legs. Hack squat, you're going to snap your knee. Leg press, you're going to snap your knee. V squat, any other squat, you're going to snap your knee. And it's just like anything. Lunges. If you, if you fully hyperextend at the knee, you're gonna snap that knee, or you're not gonna snap it. But you're gonna put a lot of pressure on the back of those ligaments that you don't want to put on there. So for me, I'm not exhausting the muscle. I'm working the muscle in a way that it potentially doesn't get worked later on in the workout. And the reason why I put it first is because if you do those other exercises first and build up fatigue and tiredness and blood in the muscle and lactic acid. It, it's really, really hard to get fully short or contracted again. So if you 
did leg press for three or four sets and then you did your hack squat for three or four sets and then you did like whatever hyper extensions and da -da -da, and then you did like leg extensions last like the weight that you're going to put through to get fully extended is going to be whatever a, a, a 25 to 50 percent reduction of what you could have done if you did it first and because these exercises are like single joint movements so you're only moving at one joint you're not you know, you're not doing a hack squat where your hips have to rotate and your knees have to rotate and your ankles do and you've got a bit of spinal flexion. You, It's one single joint. It's not as fatiguing as you think it is. Like, it's not taking as much energy out of your system as you think it is. Um, so, yeah, that's something to consider. Um, how do you approach uh, coaching a client who has never lifted or tracked cows? Start with the basics. Start with the basics and just build it up. Um, get them to track one thing, get them to track two things, get them to track three things and just build up over time. Um, a lot of it can be daunting if you did it all at once, so definitely take your time building up to it. Um, that's pretty much it. Would you stop competing for 20 million? Um, it's very, very difficult because that amount of money is life-changing for more people than just me, which is, like, selfishly, I want to say, nah, fuck the money, I want that Olympia. But selflessly, 20 million, my dad never has to worry about health, his medical bills ever again, which are fucking extortionate because my dad's disabled at the moment. Well, disabled in general, not at the moment. Uh, my mum doesn't need to worry about her retirement. My girlfriend and her, both her parents, don't need to worry about any money anymore. And probably a lot more people, probably my friends as well. So, uh, I'm quite a selfish person. That's a thing that I'd love that fucking Olympia. <laughs> Part of me says, like, if I could say no to the money and I get to the Olympia, I could probably, I could probably generate a couple million myself. Um, I think that my business brain is, 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 is pretty decent and I see like for example Jeremy Buendia I remember he said he was bragging because he's a fucking cunt uh, that he's basically in some stupid argument with a guy and he was trying to flex on him saying he's oh, I've got five mil in the bank bro it was some dead end video that came out like why are you showing off about how much money you got you think people really care about that I mean people do but so if Jeremy Buendia can have five million in the bank and be such a prick if I can get to the Olympia and win it a couple times, I would say that I could do the same, if not more, because I'm a nicer person. <laughs> I don't have any issue with saying that I'm a nicer person than Jeremy Wendier, who hits women and all the other things that he's been accused of, and, and also the horrible shilling of supplements that he does. Uh, and also, I think I've got a better business brain. Um, so I would like to think that I could get towards five, maybe ten. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Towards that, so... And that would just help a lot of people as well. But it would, still not 20 million. I don't think 20 million is doable uh, with my trajectory. If that's, if that's, like, I think about this stuff all the time. I think about what I earn now. I think about what it could be if I doubled my audience, what I could do if I 10 times my audience. Because I think, realistically speaking, I could 10 times my audience. Is that right? No. I could. I could 20 times more audience. Basically, I say, if I could have a million followers, I think a million is gonna is like the upper echelons. That's 10 times more audience. Does that mean 10 times income? It doesn't always mean that, but if I could 10 times it, I do think that I could significantly, I think I could get close to like, you know, five, six million. 
Not that it's about the money, but just like realistically speaking. So, didn't answer the question really, did I? Would you stop competing for 20 minutes? Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe. Oh, I can't answer it. It's too difficult. Sorry, dude. Uh, what is, we do the last couple of questions now. We're creeping on 45 minutes. What does your training split look like right now? Um, so I do push and arms. I do pull, a rest. I do push. I do legs and I do pull. So upper body on everything is twice a week and legs just once a week. Uh, pre or post-workout carbs, which would you prioritize when cutting? Uh, a lot of that is going to depend on what time of the day you train, um, how much food you have available, etc. So for example... If you have to train first thing in the morning before your workout, I would just make sure you're having carbohydrates in the morning. You could train faster. However, if you're training after work at like 5 p.m. and you're cutting and you've already had a few carbs in the day, I'd say probably post-workout carbohydrates for recovery. Um, incline Smith machine chest press or flat barbell bench press? Which one? This is the last question. Uh, incline all day. Uh, flat bench press has just been associated with so many injuries over the years. I th I'm pretty sure that like nearly every single shoulder injury from bench pressing has come from, <laughs> has come from uh, has come from doing a flat bench. I don't flat bench. I don't see any point in flat benching with a barbell. Um, I'd much rather see. I'd much rather see um, incline work or, or or dumbbell work in there. So. Yeah, but we'll leave that there. We've got quite a few questions done. A little bit of an update. I hope you guys are well. And uh, this is Bridging the Gap Podcast with our first podcast sponsor. And we'll be back very soon. Peace. <laughs>